So you guys, um, let me just recap, because this is why we're doing this series. It's for, it's for guys like Greg and for people like you and like me, for anybody, because it's hard to hold fast. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, as we're going right through this chapter, we've seen a few things that it tells us to do. We have to throw off the sin and that entangles us and the things that are a hindrance to our staying in union with God. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus if we're going to be able to run this race. And then last week, we talked about the fact that you need to submit to your father, that your father, our father in heaven, is actually uses these hard things to help us grow and strengthen. Well, today, um, the title for this message is, we need to strengthen your walk. You got to strengthen your walk. And I, I shared last week, the, the, the verses we went over last week about the father and the har- enduring hardship, um, remembering that he's treating you as his children because he wants you to have this amazing life. Man, I, that passage has been so important to me. I'm just going to be totally honest with you. I got to the two verses. We're going to look at two verses today. I got to the two verses uh, that we're going to look at. And for years, I just kind of skipped over them. Until about four or five months ago when I was going through Hebrews myself. And, uh, and now uh, they make a whole lot of sense. I can't wait to share these with you. So Hebrews 12, 12 through 13 says this. Therefore, strengthen your drooping hands and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So the writer of Hebrews here is going back to the original metaphor of running this race. And when you're super tired, right, when you're running strong, your arms, uh, they, they have a rhythm. They give you strength. But as soon as you start to get tired and your arms droop, and then your knees, right? We've all had that. When your knees start to get wobbly, especially hiking here, man, in, in the mountains. When I'm coming back down, those times where your knees can get super wobbly, they get weak. And so he says here, therefore, you have to strengthen your drooping hands and your knees that are feeble. In other words, you got to strengthen because this race is a race of faith where we are believing, putting our trust and hope in God and staying in this union with him. But the writer here says you got to strengthen this. Now, I'll be interested. I was interested in this. Because in other places, even in Ephesians 6, when it talks about spiritual warfare, fighting, it actually says, be strengthened. It's actually in a, the, the verb is in a passive tense. So it's something that you need to do, but it actually needs to be done to you. God needs to strengthen you. So I checked out this word and I thought, I wonder if this is the same thing, where we need to put ourselves in a place where God strengthens us. And actually, it was kind of interesting. It's not. It's actually an active verb. This is a command that's telling you and me that if we're going to stay in this race, we actually have to strengthen our faith. Um, This is something we need to do. Now, let me just make really clear, because it's very, very important. Um, I know all through Scripture the fact that God strengthens us with his spirit is actually the core of his strength. But somehow, you and I can strengthen our faith. This is something we can do. And let me, let me just say, before I dive into this, this is for everyone. 
I, I don't care if right now your knees are wobbly and, and, and your hands are drooping. In other words, it's a real struggle for you right now to stay in union with God and to have your faith strong in him. Or if you feel like you're super strong, if your faith is good and you're going for it, this is for every one of us, you guys. Just remember, Paul, who I don't know if I'll ever have a faith as strong as him, said in 2 Corinthians 1, He said, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. And I I just know for me, um, man, when we were preparing to move out here to start K2, I tried to encourage our team just to say, hey, do you know, one way I said, do you know where your buttons are? Do you know how the enemy's gonna come at you to, to, to challenge your faith, to get you out of the game so that you don't hold on anymore? And we tried to be really prepared for that and, and in these 17 years since we've been here, it's unbelievable how our enemy can come against us. And I feel like I have a really strong faith. But man, he is wicked. And he knows how to come against us. And so whether you feel like you're strong in your faith like Paul, or whether you are really struggling right now in your faith, this message is for all of us. Because all of us can strengthen our walk. We can strengthen it, all right? So I'm going to give you five things today. So obviously I can't go in depth in all five of these. But I think as I sat with this, it's, there are five things that have been super important for me, and they still are, in how I strengthen my faith and how the scripture tells us to do it, all right? Here's five things you and I need to do. The first one is you need conviction. You need conviction. If you're going to hold fast to union with God when everything around you is a struggle, you're going to need this. So Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. And conviction, again, the definition of that is it's a fixed or firm belief. It's a strong, it's strength. That's what a conviction is. And the word assurance actually means to stand under. <laughs> I love that picture. So basically, that verb, that, that verb when it says you actually have the, the assurance, it means I believe. It's like you have a beam standing up, holding up the roof, and I'm willing to stand under that because I'm absolutely assured that this beam is going to hold it. I have confidence That's what faith is. Faith is a conviction. And so if you and I are going to strengthen our faith, then we need faith, then we need to strengthen our conviction. And I just want to tell you, there's two things that we've got to strengthen our conviction on. Number one, who Jesus is. And number two, what Jesus has done. So let me hit the first one, who Jesus is. In Colossians 2, 6 and 7, it says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. Continue the walk. Strengthen your walk. And then look at this. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See, just as you received Christ by grace, 
totally a gift of God as he pours into you and then you put your faith in him. He says, you got to continue to do that. It's not a one-time thing. Okay, if we're going to hold on fast, you got to strengthen your conviction. Be rooted and built up. Both words of strength, strengthened in Christ. And then Hebrews 1 and 2, 3 gives us a great picture. So when I think about this, well, how do I, how do I strengthen my conviction of who Jesus is? In the very beginning of this book, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says this. In these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, when this writer of Hebrews was saying, okay, you guys are struggling to hold on to your faith. You're struggling to stay in union with God. The first thing he does is claim who Jesus is so they can strengthen their conviction. So think about this again, you guys, with me. We got to remember this. Jesus is the creator in his very nature God, that while he was here, his power over nature and sickness and the demonic world, his power over death in his resurrection and his ascension into heaven, the fact that he sustains all things by his powerful word, that he is far above all power, that in sense, in sense he is the exact representation of God, That means he is love, he is good, he is right, and he is powerful. You guys, this is who Jesus is. And now let me just remind you, why is this so important? Because that never changes. Jesus never changes. And so COVID can come in, and all of a sudden there's great change, and we start to fear. But Jesus doesn't change. We see the murder of George Floyd and we see the riots and we see the tension in our country and people are freaking out. Where's God? Well, God, Jesus doesn't change. So if you're going to strengthen your weak arms and your feeble knees, the first thing you got to do is strengthen your conviction of who Jesus is. Because no matter what goes on outside you or what goes on inside you, Jesus never changes. So, the conviction of who Jesus is, but the other thing that we have to have our conviction strengthened in is what he's done. What has Jesus done? It was so interesting because in the early church, the church was getting weakened because there were people who were going out and they were teaching things that weren't actually true. So people started believing things that weren't really true about their own salvation, about what Jesus had done. Now, in this case, it was the Jews and the Gentiles, and the the Jewish believers were saying that the Gentiles still needed to be circumcised if they were actually going to be saved. So now, all of a sudden, people were starting to think, oh, I thought I was saved simply by grace, by God's gift to me, but no, there are things that I need to do so what happened is they had this big council in Jerusalem so, they could, so that the church would actually know what they should actually have a conviction about. 
about what did Jesus actually do? And then in Acts 16, 4 and 5, it says, Paul and Silas traveled from town to town and they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in their numbers. Guys, the church, you and me, we need to be strengthened. And in this case, they needed to be strengthened about what the truth, the conviction about what Jesus Christ has done. Now listen, I, you know, I'm, I, I've never worried about circumcision, but I can tell you this, man. The enemy of our souls is so good at lying to us to get us to believe things to the point where we will start to doubt what Jesus has done. And as soon as you start to doubt the finished work of Christ, then you're you're gonna struggle to hold on. So let me just again remind you really quickly, through this book of Hebrews, this is what he says, you must hold on to the hope, he said, of the gospel as an anchor for your soul. And really quick, the acronym was what? H, the H is an error. And Romans 8 says, and now if we are children, and that's what the Bible says, as soon as you receive Christ, you become a child of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. The O of the gospel that we have to hold on to is once for all. In the book of Hebrews, by the will of God, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And man, I, I, I just got to tell you, in my own walk personally, and in most people I know who have struggled after they've received Christ and made poor decisions or have sinned or have struggled with sin, they will, you will start to hear the lies and doubt that God really has forgiven you of all your sin. And I'm telling you what, man, you your grip on a beautiful union with God will start to get pulled apart and your arms get weak and your knees get feeble and you wonder and you start to doubt. And what this passage is saying, if you're gonna stay in union with God, you have to strengthen those feeble arms and weak knees. You You have to strengthen that. And one of the convictions that you must have is that Christ died for you once for all. The P of the the gospel of hope is his presence again. Jesus told us in John 14 about the Holy Spirit, that you'll know the Holy Spirit because he lives with you and will be in you. We need to know right now when everything's crazy and we go, where is God? He is with you. He's actually in you. You gotta believe that. You have have to have deep, conviction that he'll never leave you and never forsake you. And then the E is for eternity. Again, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 6 says, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And I want to tell you, man, lately in the so many of the different scriptures I'm spending my own personal time in. It's amazing how often these people in the early church 
who were going through incredible suffering and persecution held fast to union with God because they knew this world's ending and I'm going to spend eternity with him. You guys, make your convictions strong. Your conviction of who Jesus is, he doesn't change. And no circumstance, no circumstance in the world or inside of you, anything that people are doing around you, anything that you have done, nothing can change the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, I'm 44 years into this, walking with him, and I still have to strengthen my conviction of who Jesus is and of what he's done. And if you can do that, that's gonna help you hold fast. All right? Man, that is the main thing. But now let me go through the next four. And these are gonna be quicker, but I feel like they're super important. I won't be able to unpack them. But listen to how else you can strengthen your drooping hands and your weak knees, your struggle in your faith. Here's the second one. You need to practice. You need to practice. Nobody has ever gotten good at anything without practicing. And so for 2,000 years, there have been called, these things called spiritual practices. Sometimes they're called spiritual disciplines. And I love experts in these, these areas who have written books about these, Richard Foster, which I'll mention here in a minute. They call them avenues of grace. In other words, here's Jesus and who he is that never changes. And here's the gospel, the hope that never changes. But what we have to do to help strengthen that conviction is we also need to put, do these practices that put us in a place to connect with him. That's what they are. And so when the church started and it was super strong, <laughs> holding fast and making an impact in the world, what does it say? This is Acts chapter two, uh, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. See, what these guys did immediately that the Holy Spirit filled them is they started doing these spiritual practices. First of all, they started gathering corporately. (laughs) That's why we do church. That's why we're doing this right now. Because it's important to have the spiritual practice. And notice, they didn't just do it when they felt like it. They devoted themselves to it. And and again, if any of you have tried to be great or strong in anything, you know you couldn't just practice when you felt like it. You devote yourself to this. That's what strengthens you. So they devoted themselves to getting together. And then it says um, the breaking of bread, which in this case means in communion. So they came together to take communion. Why? Because that helped them to remember the truth, the conviction of who Jesus is and what he's done. In fact, next week, we're going to take communion. So just be prepared for that, okay? Make sure this week's at some point, get some bread, get some grape juice, whatever, and be ready next Sunday as we take communion. It's a spiritual practice. And then there's so many you guys that we talk about here all the time. And so I'm not going to get into them, but These are all things that for me, even after 44 years, 
I need to do because they strengthen my faith. They help me hold fast to him. Daily time in the word. Reading his word, which is alive and active, strengthens me. Prayer. Connecting, giving him, God, all of, my, all of my requests, all of my fears, all my doubts. Receiving back in prayer his grace and his forgiveness and his wisdom and his guidance. Worship, which you're going to do right after this message. Worship connects you to him. It's a spiritual practice that helps your soul connect and stay in union with God. Celebration is a discipline. It's a spiritual practice. Giving thanks. The Bible says you do it continually because it's a spiritual practice that helps you remember who he is and what he's done. Helps you to hold fast. Fasting, serving. By the way, there is, here's a book. It's called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And if you are interested in just how can I, man, I want to have a strong faith. I don't want weak knees. I don't want drooping arms. I want to stay in union with God. Well, then you need to practice. Get that book. It's a very easy read, but it can help you strengthen those practices. Here's the third thing you need to do. You need, you need conviction. You need to practice. And this is, sounds the same, but it's not. You need to exercise. You need to exercise. I love this. And basically, when I'm saying you need to exercise, it means you need to, your faith actually has to have action to it. So um, if you don't, right, if your physical body, if you just sit there, you can feed it, but if you don't exercise it, it never gets stronger. I love this in James 1, 22 through 25. He says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And that's what I mean by exercise it. You actually have to exercise your faith. You have to do what it says. Listen to this. Anyone who listens to the word, like you are listening to me today, but does not do what it says, is like, this, is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Well, what's he saying here? He's saying basically the whole purpose of a mirror ends up being completely useless. <laughs> the whole reason you Look in the mirror so that you know what you look like. But if you, what he's saying here is if you looked into a mirror, but then walked away and you don't even have any idea what you look like, well, then the mirror was useless. Then what he's saying is listening to the word, listening to his message, reading the scripture, listening to these messages and not doing anything with what you heard. It's useless useless. He goes on to say in verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law, which is the law of love, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, exercising it, they will be blessed in what they do. Hey, can I say that a very real possibility if you feel like your arms are drooping and your wee knees are knobbly, wobbly and weak. In other words, if your faith is struggling, it could be because you haven't done what you've heard. That's what this is saying. And apparently, one of the worst, this is crazy, but apparently one of the worst things 
that you and I can possibly do is to listen to God's word and not do it. It says when you do that, you actually deceive yourself. What does that mean? I think what it means is you listen to God's word and you think, hey, I listened to God's word. I went to church today. I read the Bible. And then you think, all right, I'm going to have a strong faith. And then you deceived yourself because then the troubles of life, the struggles of sin, the temptations, the hardships, the loss, all these things happen. And you don't have strong faith at all. You doubt immediately. You can't hold fast. So if you're going to strengthen this and hold fast to this union with God, he says, then you need to exercise your faith. And then Jesus gives this perfect example, so clear as to why this is so dangerous, actually, to just hear stuff and not do it. And I I paraphrase this all the time, but man, after reading this, I just want to read it straight to you again. Listen to this. Why do you need to exercise your faith? Do what it says. Listen to Jesus. Matthew chapter 7. Starting with verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, exercises them. He's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and they beat against that house. In other words, in this world, Jesus says, you're going to have trouble. You are going to feel constant pressure to let go of union with God. You just are. So all that storms come. He says, he says, uh, they, uh, and they beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. He had strength. Faith was strong. And Jesus is saying it's because this person heard my word and they exercised it. They put it into practice. Then he goes, but everyone who hears these words of mine doesn't put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Same thing. Same rain comes down. The streams rise. The winds blow, and they beat against that house, and it falls with a great crash. You guys, exercising your faith, doing what it says. When you step out in faith and actually do it, you end up stepping into Christ. Instead of just learning about him, you actually move into him when you actually do what he says. You join him. You keep, the Bible says you keep in step with the spirit this way. And then it says, and since we live by the spirit, since he is your strength, then exercise your faith. And then you know him. You, 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 you are in union with him. You actually experience God. And that foundation is a rock for you. I know Jesus. I know who he is. And I know what he's done for me. So, man, on this one, you guys, can, application, can I just encourage you? Take some time and just ask him, God, is there anything that I'm not doing that you want me to do? Or you could flip it and say, God, is there anything that I'm not, that, I'm, that I need to stop doing, that I'm doing? And I want to tell you, man, if you will take that one step, exercise your faith and do what he says, then you will be blessed, the Bible says. You will have a firm foundation. It will be strong, all right?
That's the third one. If we're going to hold on in this and strengthen our walk, you need to strengthen your conviction. You need to practice. Do these things that connect you with God, and then you need to exercise your faith. Really quick, number four, and I am just, you need to connect. You just need to connect. First Thessalonians, Paul says this, he goes, when we could stand it no longer, we sent Timothy, who's our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Um, and you know what's so amazing to me about this one? Is this church that he's writing to in Thessalonica, in the very beginning, he says this about them. You be, this church, he says, you became a model to all believers <laughs> in Macedonia and Achaia. I mean, you are, you're a model to all the believers all over the whole region. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. These guys have this amazing faith. They're the model church. And what's Paul say? We need to send Timothy to you to strengthen and encourage your faith. Come on, man. If the model church whose faith is known everywhere still needs to be strengthened and encouraged, so does yours. And so what did Paul do? He sent someone. And I I, I just can't tell you enough. You know, in the book of Hebrews where everybody's struggling in their faith, it says encourage one another daily. Somehow our interaction with each other strengthens our faith. And then the church in Thessalonica, in this book of Thessalonians, where people are thriving in their faith, Paul still says over and over in that book, encourage one another. Man, I, I could go on forever about how much I personally need this in my own life. Even last week, needed to go to one to my mentor, somebody in my life, and be able to share the honest struggles for me so he can strengthen me and encourage me. Guys, if you're going to make it, if you're going to make it, if you're going to strengthen your drooping arms and your weak knees, you've got to connect. You need to connect. You just do. And then the last thing, he says you need to make wise decisions. In verse 13 of this this chapter, he says, make straight paths for your feet so that, so that which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. What's a straight path? In, in scripture, uses this term a lot. A straight path is just the path of what's right. Sometimes in the NIV, it says it's a level path. In other words, when you walk in God's ways, it's a straight path. It's a level path. But if your arms are drooping, and your knees are wobbly. In in this verse, it says, if you're lame, which means limping, in other words, if your faith is struggling, and you go off the straight path, and you go into the woods or the forest or the rocky crevices, you you know what you can do? If you're already weak, and you get off the straight path, you could really hurt yourself. So you just don't do that. In fact, it says, you could be put out of joint. So when your faith is struggling and, you're, str- and, and you're, you're struggling to stay in union with God, and then on top of that, you actually start to do things that are outside of God's will for your life, your faith can actually be put out of joint. See, it was weak, but now it's broken. And, 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 and then you can't even walk. 
And so we have to be really careful here, he says. If you want to strengthen yourself, you got to make sure that you, you need to make wise decisions. Because, you guys, when we go off, you know what happens? We just set ourselves up for the enemy to condemn us, to hear accusations. We feel shame. We hurt ourselves. We hurt other people. We, there are consequences to our actions. And man, it can, it's so hard. And so the scripture just says, don't do that. Just make wise decisions. Because he says, if you make wise decisions and you keep on the straight path, if you keep, in other words, if you keep in step with the spirit, what happens? He goes, you can actually be healed. So instead of a struggling, weak faith, getting out of joint and getting broken, when you make wise decisions and you stay in step with the spirit, that weak, wobbly part actually gets healed. And when something is healed, it's strong. That's good news for you and me. That means no matter how you're struggling, or when, and by the way, again, if you're not struggling today, you will. If Paul struggled, you'll struggle. So strengthen yourself now. You need to do this, you guys. Strengthen yourself. And why are we doing this? Because we want union with God. We want to be living in the actual presence of Jesus. So what do we do? We need to strengthen our conviction on a regular basis. Who he is and what he's done never changes. And I'm telling you, that never gets old. If you ever think you're beyond the need to strengthen your conviction of who Jesus is and what he's done, the hope of the gospel, you're going to eventually be in trouble. So do that. Then you need to do engage in these practices. Every one of these spiritual practices is just a way to get into the presence of Jesus so that you can receive all that he has for you. And then exercise your faith. Do, you need to do what you hear. And if you do, Jesus is saying, you'll end up on a strong, firm foundation. You'll be blessed. Your strength will happen in your faith. And then stay connected because we experience Jesus through each other. And then have wisdom. Make wise decisions. Keep in step with him. Guys, those are five things right there that will help you to strengthen your walk so that you'll have the strength to hold fast when troubles around you or troubles inside of you are keeping you from sensing and experiencing the union with God. So now we're gonna move into worship. And man, I encourage you, take this moment to soak in this presence of God, because again, that's what all this is for you guys. All of this is so we stay in union with him, so we experience him, so that we're in his presence. This is all about relationship with him, all right? So enjoy this, sing, connect your heart with him, and then we'll come back at the end and close.